Well, man, I am excited this morning. How many of you are excited this morning? I am excited about Vision Sunday, excited about all that I want to share with you today as we wrap up this series. We've been doing this last several weeks called Patterns. So everybody say it like that, Patterns. If you're a Texan, you got to say it with big syllables like that, Patterns, right? And what we've been talking about, we've been talking about patterns in our lives, that all of us have patterns that we come back to time and time and time in our lives, habits, routines, cycles. Some of them are good habits. Many of us don't have many good habits, but we have some. And then some of them are kind of destructive habits that we come back to. But here's what we've discovered. We've discovered that the patterns of our lives actually shape our lives. The cycles, the habits, the things that we come back to time and time and time again, they have have a tendency to shape who we are and what we become. And we've been going through this series, and I don't know if you really recognize this or not, but the whole series every week has been kind of part of one big pattern that God takes us through. And it just started with the first week where we talked about getting free. Everybody say, get free. We talked about God's pattern for freedom and how we can break free from some of those old patterns and we can begin some new patterns. And then the next week we talked about growth and how God wants us to grow. And we talked about God's pattern for growth. And then last week we talked about purpose and how God has a purpose for our lives and the pattern that he uses to show us his purpose for our lives. And here's the pattern that we've seen is that God wants to set you free and he wants to get you growing and he wants to show you his purpose. And today we're going to look at the last part of the pattern for the whole series, and that is that God wants you to make a difference. So everybody look at your neighbor, tell them, God wants you to make a difference. Look at your other neighbor, second choice, just tell them, God wants you to make a difference. And here's the pattern that God uses in our life is that he wants to set us free from all that junk and all that stuff that keeps us bound. And then once we're free, he doesn't want us to just stay free, but he wants to begin to help us to grow in the ways of him and grow in the things of him. And then he wants to show us that he has a purpose for our lives. And through that purpose, he wants us to make a difference. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about the make a difference part that God wants every Every single one of us to make a difference with our lives. And he has a pattern that he uses to help us to make a difference in this world that he has placed us in. And we're going to look at that today by looking at this guy named Nehemiah. Everybody say Nehemiah. In fact, if you have your Bibles, why don't you go ahead and turn with me to the book of Nehemiah. And we're going to start in Nehemiah chapter 1. Now, we're going to be all over Nehemiah by the time we're done with this thing. But we're going to start with Nehemiah chapter 1. And we're just going to hop right into it today, looking at the pattern, because there's six parts to the pattern. So we better get going, right? And we're going to look at the six parts to the pattern that God uses to help Nehemiah to make a difference, which is the same pattern that God uses when he has called us to make a difference. And it starts with this. It starts with a problem. So everybody look at your neighbor and say, what's your problem? It starts with a problem. There is a problem. In fact, this is what we see with Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 1. Let's read it together. Verse number 1. It says, In late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the twelfth year of King Artaxerxes. Everybody say Artaxerxes. That's just a fun, a fun name. King Artaxerxes reign. 
I was at the fortress of Susa, and Hanani, one of the brothers, came to visit me and some of the other men who had just arrived from Judah. And I asked them about the Jews who had returned from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. Verse 3. They said to me, things are not going well. Notice a problem here. Things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. For the wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Here is a problem. Nehemiah hears about a problem. Now just to set this up and let you know kind of what's going on here. Nehemiah lived in a time that was about 400 years or so before Christ came to the earth. And he lived in this area of the world called Persia or what would now be kind of modern day Iran. But Nehemiah wasn't from Persia. Nehemiah was actually from his homeland of Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem there was a problem there. In fact, the walls of the city had been torn down and they were in ruins. I mean, they were just in rubble and they had been that way for about 140 years. Now think about this for just a second. I mean, to put it maybe in kind of modern day context, that would be kind of like Washington DC in ruins and that he, it had been that way for like 150 years. Can you imagine how this would make you feel as a nation, right? In fact, it made these guys feel pretty discouraged. They were vulnerable to any of the outside attack that might try to come in. Not only that, it was incredibly embarrassing and incredibly discouraging to the point where people were even depressed. They would walk to the city every day and they would look at these walls of this city that were once grand and glorious, that were once something of great pride and great honor of of Jerusalem. And now here they are in rubble and they found themselves so depressed and discouraged and downcast because these walls were broken down and it looked like there was no hope for them. And I think about this problem that Nehemiah had in his day and I look around at our at our world today and I would say we could describe our world with the same kind of problem. Brokenness everywhere that we look. I mean, you don't even have to look very far to see. I mean, you just go to your kid's school or you go to your work or you look around in your neighborhood or you see the families that your kids play soccer with and you will see everywhere that you look there is brokenness. There are people that are hurting. There are people who are downcast, people who are discouraged. Financial brokenness is everywhere. People who are struggling, just trying to make ends meet, just filled with mountains of debt. And you look around and you see oil prices are at all-time low and people are losing their jobs and economy and all kinds of struggles all around us. And there's all this brokenness. There's brokenness in families and brokenness in marriages. In fact, in our world today, half of all the people that get married wind up getting divorced. And you see people that maybe they don't get divorced, but they're just kind of holding it together. Maybe just for the sake of the kids or maybe people that maybe have had affairs and maybe people that are men that are addicted to pornography and all of the brokenness that we see and relational brokenness all around us and people who are addicted and people who are discouraged and people who are depressed and we see it everywhere that we look there is a problem. So everybody say a problem. But that's only the first part of the pattern. The second part of the pattern is this, is that there is a person. Everybody say a person. Yes, there's a problem, but here's the good news today, is that God always raises up 
a person. In fact, this is what we see with Nehemiah. When Nehemiah hears about the problem, Nehemiah says, if there's a problem, you'll all solve it, right? Come on, you got to give me a little props for a little, check out the hook while my DJ revolves it. Come on, any ice ice baby. Come on, some of y'all didn't know where that was going. Here's the deal. Nehemiah looks around and he hears about the problem. And what does he do? He says, I'll be the person to do something about the problem. Now, now here's what you have to understand about Nehemiah is that Nehemiah wasn't like a priest and Nehemiah wasn't a great warrior. In fact, if you look at Nehemiah, you'll see Nehemiah was just an ordinary person. Just everyday, ordinary person, just like you and me. In fact, it says there that Nehemiah was a cupbearer. Now, some of you say, what is a cupbearer? Well, a cupbearer was basically someone who would test the wine for the king. And so that meant that whenever they would bring the wine to the king, the cupbearer would drink the wine before giving it to the king. That was his job. Some of you go, hey, that sounds like a pretty good job, you know. How do I sign up for that? Well, well, the problem is that it wasn't such a great job because the reason that he was testing the wine before he gave it to the king was so that he could test to see if there was any poisons in it, if anyone was trying to kill the king. So how many want that job now, right? And so basically this job as a cupbearer was not a very glamorous job. It was not a very well sought after job. Basically, most commentaries say that basically the job of cupbearer was that he was a butler. Those of you that have kids that are preteens, he was Bertram, you know, I mean... He was, he, was just, he was just a servant to the king, just an ordinary, ordinary guy. And that's good news here today. And the good news is this. If you are one of those people that maybe in high school, you were one of those people that were like, you know, voted most likely to succeed. Maybe you were the head cheerleader. Maybe you were the person that was the star of the football team. Maybe you were the homecoming queen, the most popular, all that. I got good news for you today. If you are one of those people that are the best of the best of the best, the good news is God can still use you. You really can. You really can. But here's even better news. For those of you that aren't the best of the best, those of you that weren't the homecoming queen, those of you that are more like me and more like your neighbor and more like most of us here, here's the even better news is that God specializes in using ordinary people. People just like you and me. And some of you go, well, how could I make a difference with my life? How could I ever do anything? I'm not anybody. I'm no one special. And here's what I want to tell you, that Nehemiah wasn't anyone special. He was just a cupbearer to the king, but he was a person that said, I will do something about the problem that I see. And God used a very ordinary man to do some incredibly extraordinary things here on this earth. Starts with a problem, but then there's always a person. And then, check this out, number three in the pattern is that there is a passion. Everybody say passion. That there is a passion that, that Nehemiah sees the problem, and he says, I'll be the person to do something about the problem. And then look what happens. God begins to put a passion deep down inside his heart to make a difference with the problem. We see it in Nehemiah chapter 1 in verse number 4. It says, when Nehemiah heard this, he says, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned and I fasted and I prayed to the God of heaven. When Nehemiah heard about the walls that were broken, when he heard about the struggle, when he heard about the problem, Nehemiah had a passion in his heart to do something about it. His heart was broken. 
And that's my question for you today. What is it that stirs passion in your heart? What is it that you see in the world around you that just breaks your heart to the point where you say, I got to do something about it? Maybe it's children who are neglected or abused. Maybe it's families that are falling apart. Maybe when you look around and you see in the world, you see sexual abuse or violence. Maybe it's marriages that are broken. Maybe it's kids that are bullied. Maybe it's men who are throwing their lives down the tube because of pornography and addictions. Or maybe it's people who come to church and they don't feel loved by other Christians. And you look around and you see the problem around you and it breaks your heart and it fills you with passion. I asked you today, when is it that we're going to get a passion in our heart to step up and do something about the problem that we see around us? You see, Nehemiah, he saw the problem and it broke his heart. It filled him with passion. The Bible says he sat down and he cried and he knelt down and he prayed. But let me just tell you something today. He didn't just cry and he didn't just pray. He rose up to action. In fact, look what it, look what it says in verse number 5 here. It says... When Nehemiah heard the problem, he said, send me. Everybody say, send me. Send me. Send me me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. He says, I see a problem. And my heart is broken about the problem. And I'm going to cry and I'm going to pray, but I'm not just going to cry and I'm not just going to pray. I'm going to raise up to do something about the problem that I see in the world around me. And here's the deal today. In fact, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down today. Passion without motion is nothing but emotion. Passion without motion is really nothing but emotion. And a lot of us have a lot of emotion It's easy to get emotional. We see people that are hurting. We see struggles around us in the world around us. And we get sad and we cry and we pray. And it's it's one thing to click like or click share on Facebook when we see a cause or we see a problem in the world. And that's really easy to do. But I'm telling you, real passion will move us to action. And it's really just emotion until we get ourselves into motion and raise up and say, I'm not going to just be sad about the the condition of my world around me, but I'm going to be a person who's going to step up to act to make a difference in the world around me. It starts with the problem, but then God always raises up a person and God puts a passion into our hearts. But number four, check this one out. There is always a plan. Everybody say a plan. A plan. Nehemiah has a passion in his heart, but he doesn't just fly by the seat of his pants because of the passion that God puts in him. Instead, Nehemiah becomes the man with the plan. Look what we see in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse number 4. It says, Nehemiah has a plan. He says, if it pleases the king to send me, he says, I will set a time. He also says, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governor of the trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the royal park, so that he will give me uh, timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the... By the temple for the city wall and the residence I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of God was upon me, the king granted my request. Now, I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail here, but you can see that Nehemiah had done his homework. 
Nehemiah had thought up a plan. In fact, he had a three-part plan there. He set a time. He asked for letters from the governors. He asked for the beams to be made. He knew that it would take time for those beams to be able to be made. And so he did his homework. He had his plan ready and in place before he ever went to talk to the king about the vision that God had put into his heart. Here's the deal. A lot of times as Christians, especially as spirit-filled believers, a lot of times in churches, we, we think, well, you know, if I plan, then, you know, then the Holy Spirit won't have, be able to do what he wants to do. And, brother, you know, I'm just going to just pray, and I'm just going to listen, and I'm going to obey. You know, come on. Anybody heard that before, right? Come on. Like, we're just going to let the Holy Spirit lead us, brother. Let me tell you something. That's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. <laughs> Just let the Holy Spirit lead you, brother. Well, yes, the Holy Spirit should lead us. How many agree with that? And we do need the leading of the Holy Spirit, and we do need to pray, and we do need to listen, and we do need to obey. But guess what? All throughout the Scripture, you know what I see? I see that God teaches us that we need to be diligent with our plans. That we, need to, that we don't just hear from God and then just run out and do something. That we spend the time in preparation and in planning. In fact, in Proverbs 21 and verse 5, it says, Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Some, I, I, in fact, just this last week, I had someone ask me, Pastor, like, how do you get up there and talk like that? You hardly even look at your notes, and you just get up there. But I've been at both services, and they're both the same. And I don't know how you do that. It's like it just flows out, and it just comes out. It's like, I don't, like, I don't understand how you do that. I, t- I told him, I said, here's how I do it. I do a whole lot of planning and a whole lot of preparing. Like I spend hours not just working on the material, but going over the material over and over and over in my mind so that when I get up here, I don't have to be boring and read from my notes. I can just get out here and talk to y'all because I've done the planning and the preparation so that then when the time of presentation comes, then we are ready to present. And here's what you got to understand, that God can work just as much in the planning and the preparation as he does in the presentation. Some of you, God wants to use you in a mighty way, but you never get past the planning stage. And sometimes it takes us sitting down and going, all right, God, speak to me and show me what is the plan that you want to do to use me in making a difference in my world. There was a problem. Nehemiah became the person. God filled his heart with passion. Nehemiah did his homework. He made a plan. But then notice this, number five, there is always a price. Making a difference is going to cost you something. It's not easy. It's hard, it's hard work. And things don't always go according to plan. And if you decide, amen. Somebody had a, somebody had a week that didn't go according to plan. But here's what you got to get is, hey, if you, try to, if you decide I'm going to make a difference for God, guess what? It's going to be hard. I know it would be nice if I could just be like, tell you that it'll all be good and you'll never have any problems. But you, you're going to have problems. You're going to have to pay a price in order to make a difference. This is what we see 
with Nehemiah in Nehemiah chapter 4 in verse number 1. It says, when Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the walls, he was very angry and he was very furious. He was, he was kind of jealous and he knew that this was going to cause him some problems because he was using the broken down walls to kind of manipulate the people. And so he's upset about this. And then what, look what it says. He, it says, he made fun of the Jewish people. He said to his friends and those with power in Samaria, in Samaria what are these weak Jews doing? Will they rebuild the wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Can they finish in one? One day, can they bring stones back to life from piles of trash and ashes? Here's this guy. He sees Nehemiah who's trying to make a difference. Nehemiah who's saying, I want to be the person to make a difference in my world. But guess what? Then there are other people that begin to raise up against them and criticize and ridicule and even oppose them. Here's the truth, is that when you decide to make a difference for God, when you decide to raise up and say, I will be a person who will make a difference, you're going to have opposition. You're going to have obstacles. You're going to have criticism. You're going to have resistance. You're going to encounter problems. I remember when God first put it in our heart to come and plant a church here in Burleson and to reach people. I remember the passion that God put in our heart. And I remember thinking, man, we're going to move to Burleson and God has put this vision in our heart and we're going to get there and everyone's going to see how cool we are and how good looking I am and how great I can preach. And they're just going to flock. I mean, everyone's just going to want to come to be a part of LifeGate Church because of that cool blonde headed pastor that everyone's going to going to love. And we got here and you know what I found out? I wasn't that cool. And I don't preach that good and I'm definitely not that good looking cuz nobody wanted to come to be a part of our church. And there was criticism and there was resistance and there were obstacles and there were problems and there were struggles all along the way. There was a price to be paid. But here's what I learned. Here's the the, the principle that you need to learn today is this is that when you face opposition for doing something great for God, here's the deal is you're not facing that opposition you're doing something wrong. Maybe you're facing that opposition because you're actually doing something right. Why would the enemy come against us unless he's trying to stop us from what God wants us to do? And the truth of the matter is, if you're going to do anything of significance in this world, it's going to be hard. In fact, I love what Theodore Roosevelt said. You might want to write this down. He says, there has never yet been a man in history who's led a life of ease whose name is worth remembering. If you want your life to be worth something remembering, if you want your life to stand for something that is worth remembering, then guess what? It's going to be hard. There's going to be a price to pay, but here's, here's the cool part. You ready for the cool part? Here's here's the good part is, yes, there is a problem. And yes, there is a person who will raise up to to head off the problem. There is a passion and there is a plan. And yes, 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 there is pain and there is a price to pay. But here's the good part is that there will be a payoff. Come on, everybody look at your neighbor tell them there will be a payoff. There's going to be a payoff. Man, it's going to be hard. And there's going to be problems. 
and it won't be easy, and there will be people who will laugh and make fun and ridicule, but one of these days, if you don't give up and quit, isn't that what Galatians 6, 9 says? Let us not grow weary in doing good, for at the, what, at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Here's what we see happen with Nehemiah in Nehemiah chapter 6 and verse number 15. Look what it says. After all of that struggle and all of that work and all that pain and all of that sacrifice, but in verse number 15 it says, so on October the 2nd, the what? The wall was finished. Just 52 days after it had begun. And when our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated. And they realized that this work had been done with what? With the help of our God. I'm telling you, man, there was a problem. But there was a person who rose up and said, I'll do something about the problem. And he got a passion in his heart about it. And he started a plan. And he worked even though it was hard and even though there was a price to pay. And in 52 days, Nehemiah and the people that gathered around him to work were able to accomplish what could not be accomplished in 140 years. In 52 days, God did something through them that we're still talking about thousands of years later, looking back at them. Nehemiah left a legacy. Nehemiah did what was the impossible. And people, even the enemies of God, looked on and said, God must be in this. God must be doing something here because Nehemiah stood up and said, I will be the person to make a difference. Come on. Don't get me started. Don't get me fired up. It's Vision Sunday, and you say, all right, I hear all this stuff. That's good, Pastor. Nice little Bible study on the book of Nehemiah. But what does this have to do with vision? Are you ready for vision time? You ready for this? Here's a vision. Write this down. There is a problem. There's a problem. You look around. You look around in our community. You look around in the world. You look at your neighbors. You look at your friends. You look at, you look at your family members. You look at people in this community that we live in today, and there is a problem. People are hurting. People are broken. Marriages are falling apart. Lives are broken. And the only solution for broken lives is a relationship with Jesus Christ. The only way to restore those broken lives is to, for people to come into a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ, the Savior. Amen. Here's a problem. Thousands of people in our community all around us who don't know Jesus Christ. We pray and we ask the Lord to send them to be a part of LifeGate. We send you out and we tell you, invite your friends and your neighbors and everyone around you to come and be a part of what God is doing in this incredible family of God here at LifeGate Church. But here's the problem. If they all showed up, we don't have room for them. There's nowhere for them to sit. There's nowhere for their kids to, to be in class. There's nowhere for them to park. I mean... You just look around and you see that, that there, are, there are people in our world that are hurting. And yet, even if they all came next Sunday, there'd be nowhere for them to, no, no room for them. In fact, this is a good problem and yet it's still a problem. In fact, let me just, let me just share with you a little celebration here today. You ready for this? In 2015, from the beginning of 2015 to the end of 2015, as a church, we grew by 27%. Come on, that's pretty incredible. 
Now, some of you go, okay, well, that sounds pretty good. I don't understand it. That, you know, kind of show me that in perspective. Well, let me just show you this in perspective. I just did a little research on growing churches. And as I studied this, I found in my research that the growth rate for churches, what you would call good growth, would be between 6 and 8% in a year. That would be good growth. That's pretty good, right? If you were going to call it excellent growth, it would be between 9 and 11% in a year. And then outstanding growth would be between 12 and 15%. Incredible growth would be between 16 and 20%. We grew by 27%. Come on. I think that's something worth celebrating this year. A couple of you, you, couple of you were excited. I'm pretty excited. Come on. That's pretty awesome, right? 20, that is incredible, unbelievable growth that God has brought to LifeGate Church. What an incredible, incredible blessing. And yet, even with that incredible blessing, it presents a problem. Because God is continuing to bring the growth. In fact, if we were to add in and factor in the growth in January, it would be closer to about 30%. And God continues to bring people in. And every single Sunday, we look around, in both services, we are at least 75% full, some more than that. In fact, most of the time, we're having much more than that. At the 11 o'clock service last Sunday, we had to bring in chairs because we just, I mean, because there's nowhere for people to sit. And not just that, but then there's no room for the kids in the kids' areas, and then the parking is just crazy, right? It's like people are parking on the curb, and people are parking in the grass, and people are parking just everywhere. And so it's incredible that God is blessing our church, and so many people are coming to life in Christ through LifeGate Church, and yet there's a problem, and the problem is that God wants to continue to send people so that they can come to new life in Christ, and their lives can be restored by Jesus Christ through the ministry here at LifeGate Church. But the problem is when they come, there's really no where for them and a lot of times a guest will come in and if it's 70 to 75 percent full they look around they go well there's not really a seat for me and they don't really have room for me and there was nowhere for me to park and even worse than that they start thinking things like well they don't really need me there because that place is full I'll just go on down somewhere else or even worse than that someone who is not a church attender that comes in and says man this is uncomfortable because I have to sit right next to someone or I came in five minutes after service started I can't find a seat and it's just and we lose an opportunity to reach people See, that's what it's all about it's not about numbers it's not about it's not about 27% growth all that what it's about is about people the reason we even talk about numbers is because each one of those numbers represents a person a person who has some kind of brokenness in their life that Jesus Christ wants to restore and so what do we do what do we do when we hear the problem when we see the problem, really, the way I see it, there's really only three options. Three things we could do. I mean, first of all, we could build a new building. That'd be awesome, right? Wouldn't that be great? Like, let's just build new buildings so that way we can seat more people and we can reach more people. And yes, that's part of the plans. That's some of the things that we are working on and praying about and dreaming about at this point. But here's the, here's the problem with that plan is that even if we started today, even if we broke ground today, it would be at least a year, maybe longer, before that building was open where we could actually uh, have people be a part of the church in that building and reach more people. And so that is a, that is a good plan and that's something that will be in the future and something that we will do, but that's not a viable plan right now because we don't want to wait a year to be able to reach your neighbors and your friends and your family members, right? So the other option, number two option, would be we'll just turn people away. Hey, no room at the end. Sorry, guys. You got to... 
I already can tell that's not an option. <laughs> so what's the third option? The third option is we got to make room. How do we make room? Well, here's how we're going to make room. We're going to make room, and here's the vision. You ready for the vision cast for today? Vision is this. Beginning on Easter Sunday, we're going to actually add a third worship experience so that we can open up a whole nother, a whole nother time that we can reach at least 200 more people with a whole nother worship experience. Pretty cool, right? <laughs> Sunday fun day, right? Three, two is good, three is better. <laughs> and and that, that sounds exciting, and yet, are you ready for this? Even that creates a problem. And the problem is this, in order to do a third worship experience, that means we need a whole nother set of volunteers to actually pull off that service. That means we need about a hundred more people volunteering and serving in the church in order to do that. So guess what? There is a problem. That is a problem. But here's the cool thing. There is a person. In fact, there is not just a person. There are people. And you're looking at me right now. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord right on left arm. There are people. And here's the, here's the good news today is, yeah, we need about 100 new volunteers. Here's the good news. We've got them. You're out there. There are many of you that have become a part of LifeGate Church in the last, in, over this last year, and you haven't yet been able to get plugged in somewhere and find a place to serve in, in one of our Sunday morning worship experiences. And so here's your chance. In fact, today, right after service is over, you saw it as you were coming in, we have our ministry team booths set up out there, and the ministry teams are ready for you today. You can go out there and you can decide, what area do I want to serve? What area can I get involved in to serve? It could be teaching a life kids class. It could be being a greeter. It could be being on the hospitality team. After service today, the worship team is having an interest meeting. If you're interested in that, any of those areas of ministry, you can get signed up to do that today. Now, I know some of you, you know, you think, well, what if I don't like it? Well, here's the deal. If you don't like it, just try it out. For Just do a little two-week preview. Just sign up today and preview it and serve there for two weeks. At the end of two weeks, if you go, I don't like it, then just find another one and try that one and just try it until you like it. Come on, right? You ain't got nothing to lose. Now, some of you say, well, I ain't got time for that. Well, I have a solution for that too. You ready for this? On Sunday morning, you can get up and drink five five-hour energy bottles. <laughs> and if you drink five bottles of five-hour energy, you will have one hour of energy left to serve in one of the services. Come on, that's good planning right there, right? Some of you are doing the math. You're going, okay, five times five. Now, I'm being silly, but here's the deal. Are you ready for this? The truth is, we have time for what we make time for. And when something's important, we make time. And when something's not important, we make excuses. And so here's what we decide to do. We, start, we, we decide that, hey, this is important. Making a difference in the kingdom of God is important. And so instead of looking for an excuse, I'm going to start looking for a way. Tweet that. Come on. <laughs> There's a problem, but there are people. And here's what's cool is that we have a passion. Some of you say, why would we do three services in one day? Why would I get involved in that? That's crazy talk, Pastor. I don't have a clue what you're talking about and how we're going to do that, why we're going to do that, and all that. Here's why we're going to do it, because we have a passion. 
We have a passion in our heart to reach the lost in our community. In fact, this is one of our core values as a church. We believe that the fire that burns inside us will change the world around us, that we're going to be a people that are going to say, I'm going to get a passion in my heart to make a difference for the kingdom of God. I'm going to hear the vision that God has planted in the heart of the leaders of the people here at LifeGate, and I'm going to get passion in my heart to get behind it. And here's what's cool is not only are there people and not only is there a passion, but there is a plan. Can we just talk strategery here for a second? Let's just get strategery going on. Let's get strategic. Let's talk about this. There's a plan. We feel like as we have studied and we have worked and, and I mean, we've gotten outside consult and we've worked together as our staff and our team on this for several weeks now. We feel like that we can actually do three services on Sunday morning in the same amount of time, plus about 30 minutes, a little bit, about 30 minutes more, we can actually do three services in almost the same amount of time that we are doing two services now. And that's just called good planning. That's just called being a good steward of what God has given us. Because here's what we understand. We understand that Sunday morning between about 9 o'clock and about noon is the prime time in the Bible Belt for people to go to church. And so we want to be a people who will say we want to be the best steward of that time that God has given us between 9 and about noon on, on a Sunday morning in the Bible Belt to reach people. And so to this point, what we have done is we have, you, you understand, we have the 9 o'clock service and then we have the 11 o'clock service and the nine o'clock service is about an 85 minute long service and then we have about 30 minutes in between before we kick off the 11 o'clock service which is 85 minute service so here's here's the plan to be a better steward of the time that God has given us that is the prime time to reach people uh, in our community on a Sunday morning we want to be we want to take that time and we want to open up more opportunity and more room to reach more people so instead of having an 85 minute Minute service that starts at 9 o'clock and then 30 minutes in between another one at 11. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a 70-minute service with a 15-minute gap in between the services to get in and out of the parking lot and all that kind of stuff. And we're going to have services starts at 9 o'clock. Some of you are like, that's awesome. My service doesn't have to, doesn't have to change. Cool, all right? 9 o'clock, 10.25, and 11.50, all right? And here's the thing is that we're going to be able to do all the same stuff that we do right now. Every element of the service, there won't be one thing that we cut out of the service. We'll have worship. We'll still have announcement video. We'll have prayer time. We will have uh, offering. We will have a message. We will have meet and greet time that we have. We will have altar response time at the end. But here's, here's what we're going to do is we're just going to be a better steward of that amount of time. And what it really comes down to is the pastor just not being so stinking long-winded. <laughs> So that we can, we're going to have plenty, we're going to have 20 minutes of worship, 30 minute sermon, that's plenty, right? And we're going to have 10 minutes for altar and response at the end, and then we're going to have time in the middle to do the meet and greet and the offering and all of that stuff, and, but we just got to get in and out of the building a little bit quicker, and some of you go, well, okay, we're going to be one of those churches where they rush us in, rush us out, and what about how are we going to have relationships with people and in that part of our, what we do at LifeGate? And yes, that's a huge part of what we do at LifeGate, but number one, That's the reason we have life groups. That's the reason we encourage you to get into a life group, which starts this week, by the way. 
And, and you can go deeper in relationships with one another. But secondly, that's the reason we have a cafe. And that's the reason that we're working hard to make sure that we get the, uh, that we get the patio area open out there so that when the weather warms up, you've got places to hang out out there and in the, in, the, in the lobby area, in the cafe, and even a little lobby area over here by the conference room and all that kind of stuff. So you don't have to rush out after it's over. Hang out with your friends. Just because service has started in here doesn't mean you've got to just rush off as soon as it's over so that you can continue to have those connections in those relationships with one another. Now, some of you are going, all right, well, pastor, I mean, I'm already serving. So does that mean like I have to be here for three services? Good Lord, I'm already here for two. And that's, I mean, I can't do all of that and all that kind of stuff. And no, 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 that's not what we're expecting. Here's what we're asking and challenging everyone to do. Serve in one service and attend another service. Everybody could do that. And what's cool is that service is 70 minutes long now. And so you can actually serve in one and attend one in almost the same amount of time. You could just attend one. You don't have to be here all day. And everyone, everybody say everyone. Everyone could do that. You could be a greeter. You could be an usher. You could work in kids ministry. You could be part of the parking team that we're, that we're launching. You could be on hospi- hospitality team or worship team or media and sound team. Everybody can get involved. But there will be a number four. There will be a, a price to pay. You have to pay a price. Everyone's going to have to do something. It ain't going to be easy. I promise you. But here's the good news. There will be a payoff. And the payoff will be that we'll open up more opportunity to reach more people with the message of Jesus Christ. The payoff will be that you have an opportunity to be involved and make a difference, that you have a chance to use the gifts and the talents and the abilities that God has given you to make a difference inside the kingdom of God. And one day you will stand before God and you will be able to hear him say those words that I so long for him to hear for, to be able to hear him say to me, and that is those words, well done, good and faithful servant. You know what? In order to hear him say those words, well done, good and faithful servant, you know there's three things that you're going to have to do. You're going to have to be good. You're going to have to use the gifts and talents that God has given you and do a good job with what you have. And you know what else you're going to have to be? You're going to have to be faithful. That means that you're going to have to be consistent, and you're going to have to be, you're gonna have to be plugged in. You're going to you're gonna have to do it consistently over time. And you're going to have to be a servant. Every one of us, God has called us to serve. To serve somewhere in his kingdom, somewhere in his local church. And there are opportunities. In fact, there's a hundred of them for you to plug in and get involved in. And so here's the, here's the vision cast. And here's, I'm throwing out the net right now. Will you serve? Will you be involved? Will you be a part? Today, you have a chance right after service is over to stop by one of the ministry team tables fill out a form and to take home your application so that we can start plugging you in next week so that on Easter we're ready to launch this thing and reach more people for the kingdom of God. Are you ready for that? Come on. Why don't you stand on your feet with me this morning?